welcome to Red and Black Football. My name is Gavin, and I'm here with Andrew. How's things, Andrew? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good to be here. It's always good after a win, champ. Oh yeah, last. I mean, that, that performance was excellent on the weekend. I know what you mean. It's been great after all the doom and gloom. Obviously, it was terrible falling out of the semi-final, and then um, after that, well, it was everyone was hoping. Well, everyone was thinking we were going to get massacred against Perth, and then everyone was upset after we got a point. Obviously, we bottomed down against against the Smurfs again. There's the whole VAR controversy. We'll get onto that later. But absolutely magnificent performance. Just what Wanderers needed. Yeah, exactly. Something to kind of lift the spirits a bit, I guess, because everything's been a bit up and down, you know. Yeah, well, the one thing is I, I was really, really impressed with, um, with uh, the way we played in atrocious conditions, it must be said, and with our manager in the stands. Now, um, we'll get straight into that. Uh, with Babel, um, how do you rate him first of all? Like, I mean, his signings, his philosophy, um, what do you brought to the club? Um, I think I think it's interesting because a lot of people are kind of judging him quite early on. But I think what you've got to keep in mind is that the transfer window he's just had, a lot of the players that he's picked up from the squad um, have, have been Gombau or Popovich signings. The only signings that he's actually made has been Bam Johan, which we've seen the quality he's brought, and Patrick Zeigler, who hasn't really had a chance to impress yet, only had a few games. So, I mean, overall, considering that he's working with a squad that isn't his, and he's coming into a club that has had its ups and downs, I mean, we're on a down at the moment, and he's really... I'm, I'm impressed so far, and I was really happy in the derby when he'd lost it about the VAR decision. Yeah, well, I think what you make is a very, very good point. Um, he's gone bow, what, what was going on? We were recruiting so many players at the back end of the season, mostly from Adelaide United, whereby you're looking like the club are going to, um, well, they're going to build something around Gombau. Then they gave him the arse. And, of course, you know, I mean, um, well, Babel's there holding the baby. He really looks like um, a manager that's going to take, you know, a couple of windows. And you know the way it goes in Australia, it's very unlikely that we're going to do much shopping in January. So it's really what we're going to see from him in the second season. It's almost like he's laying the foundation for what he's going to do in the future. Yeah, I do. I hope that no matter the situation we have this season, I hope that they stick with Babel because I think, it, it, depending on how you feel about Gombau and him and him being sacked, we're sitting here now and we're going, it's it's a lot of his signings and now Babel's had to pick up the pieces like we've just said. So I hope that Babel's getting given the chance to build a team and build his philosophy and then hopefully he can build something from that. Yeah, I agree. One thing is, and it really it was a big stain on last year, so many people were making um, excuses for Gombau that he inherited a team that couldn't play his system, which was largely true. You know, it's chalk and cheese between Popper and Joseph. But um, the whole thing is, you know, football's a results business. You've got to go in there and you've got to get things done. Um, I thought last year, like it's obviously going a long way back, we had a magnificent pre-season and then, boom, Popper just leaves. Yeah, I mean, we we bought well with Riera and the like, and uh, we we really look like we had something going on. Then he's he's off to the other end of the world. Then we stuffed around with Hayden Fox. There was the is Milicic coming back or isn't he? Um, then we turned out we get Gombau as it was. Then we got smashed in the derby, and uh, it was a poison chalice. We 
getting rid of players left, right and centre, bringing players in and, uh, you know, it was ineffectual. And at the end of the day, it cost him his job. Now, the one thing is with um, with uh, Babel, he has had a full pre-season. He's had a pre-season, like you said, with um, players that he didn't sign. A couple of um, lads that have come in. And I, I love the way Alex is playing. I think he's fantastic. Hopefully, Patrick Ziegler comes in and, and shows his worth as well. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be where he gets to eye, firstly, Australian talent. Obviously, he's brought in a couple of Germans. He's not to know who he's going to get for, for his Australian squad players. And obviously, you know, there's, a, there's only so many foreigners he can bring. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I think um, when it comes to the season's end, he's going to have identified, OK, I want to keep XYZ players and now I'm going to go and, and, and make a squad around a certain amount of players. But obviously, like you said, he can't bring in a full squad of Germans <laughs> because <laughs> it'd be good. Of the cap. It'd be good. I mean, it'd be great if we could. But um, uh, it's interesting. I, I think I think he's got the right the right idea. I, I mean, I know we're only judging it off the the signing of Alex because he has been such quality. But if he can find that kind of way to find players similar to Alex, then I think we're looking forward to something next year. Yeah. Very good. Okay, at the start of it, um, of the year, on Red and Black Football's Facebook page, we put up a poll, or one of our admins did anyway, and it was, what are your expectations for the year? Was it fighting off the wooden spoon or top six? No one dared say anything above that. And it was basically 50-50. I can't remember where it finished, but it was like 51-49, about a 1,000 votes on it. Um after yesterday, I'd be very upset if we didn't finish in the top six. Um, like, I'm not expecting us to win anything this year, but, like, I'm expecting us to lay down a marker. Coming seventh last year, it's just unacceptable for a club as big as us. And with um, with a manager who's... He, it's not like he's a rookie manager either. He's had a few years over there in Europe. Like, um, I, I'm hoping that we're going to see us get into the semi-finals. And um, the well, the big positive for me was the philosophy that Babel seems to have. He has triangles all over the park. The ball goes forward, the ball goes back, the ball goes sideways, the ball goes forward. It, was, it, it wasn't this endless playing around the back line. Um, no wasted possession. We were going from transition to um, being in scoring positions very, very quickly and not wanting to put a knife into him, but the absence of Soterio... Um, it seemed uh, uh, every time we got the ball on the right flank, I thought Kamau was fantastic. Um, uh, every, with Alex as well and all the players, we actually looked like we were a scoring threat every time we got the ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... I understand the, the Soterio hate, and I completely agree with everyone out there and, and yourself, Gav, but the, the, trial, the reason that he gets the hate... I know like, we're getting off topic a bit, but it's because he's been at the club, like on the commentary, they said he's, he's the longest serving member of the club right now. Mm. And so he's young, he's 23, right? But do you see any development? Do you see any improvement, any game awareness, touches, passing ability? It, I don't see it. That's just me. Like, I mean, he, he continuously gets chosen. I mean, everyone thought it was... Popovich's fault for him getting picked all the time. Well, he's gone, and Gombau still gave him a chance, and now we're seeing Babel giving him a chance, and it's just, where's the improvement? 
Uh, I 100% agree with you, mate. Um, the the one thing which does my head in with him is is that he's got no finesse. He's got an endless amount of energy. I'll give him that. He he'll run for you all day, Soteria. But when he gets the ball, he's got no composure. Um, you saw in the derby. He, Got him behind the keep of crying out loud. Me or you, you give me that opportunity three times, I would have got it once. Yeah, you know I mean, like at, at the end of the day, like he he butchers good opportunities. He gets himself into good positions and does nothing with them. And it's one thing if you do it once or twice, but when you're odds on to stuff it up over and over again, you know, change has to come. Um, with Bruce and Camille, um, I don't know, I've got a big rap on him. Uh, obviously, with the first goal, um, getting into spaces, uh, I think it was on the left of that one, but at, at the end of the day, he, he got through, Alex got the ball and smashed it home, and uh, yeah, we, we, we took the, the game by the scruff of the neck, and when you think when you're playing away, when you get that chance, when, when that one chance comes, especially a guilt edge chance, you've got to smash that home, you, you've got to score. And uh, that's what, where those three points come from. Remember last year, how many bloody draws did we have? Oh, the last two seasons, we have had so many draws. It's like beyond ridiculous. And and a lesser team in the last two years that we've had would have gone one nil up, and then Wellington. We, I'm not saying Wellington had a lot of chances, but they they got themselves into the game at points. Yeah. And a previous a previous team would have let Wellington back into that game. Yeah, true. Well, when you think of it as well, like I mean, two years ago we were all blaming Redmayne. And then last year, well, I don't know. Well, at the start of it, Hayden Fox, I think he had about three draws or something like that um, to his name. In fairness, he was thrown in the deep end. After that, Gombau came out. He got heaps of draws as well. And it was draws or losses. It wasn't real good, was it? We were, we were inching up the table one point at a time or losing a heap of goals. But um, this is the thing. It comes down to mentality. And um, this is the one thing I think that Marcus has really brought to the um, brought to the Wanderers. He's brought a, a winning mentality. You mentioned it earlier that he lost the plot, um, you know, during the derby for a ridiculous bar decision. Um, and we'll have a chat about that in a minute. But the the one thing is, if we're going to hold on to those leads, we're, we're a good enough club to get in front. You know, one goal is enough to win a game of football. And um, if we can get in, into the lead, there's nothing stopping us from grabbing those three points apart from what's in between your ears. And I think that Babel, he's, um, he's starting to put his stamp on the players and um, you know, he's trying to get the most out of them. One thing about Popovich was he bought journeymen and a whole lot of players that you know were failures at heaps of different clubs and he turned them into the champions of Asia. He did it with mentality and he did it with fitness. Now, Babel looks like the you, you saw it was just a puddle um, over there in Wellington um, on the weekend. And it, they, they were running to the, to the last minute. It was fantastic to see and playing some very attractive football. Um, uh, and at the same time, they had that winning mentality. You saw even Jordan um, O'Doherty got himself a goal you know, in injury time, like we ran till the end. Yeah, I think I, I think that's you know like like we've been saying part of the the mentality that he's brought to the club. Um, I think that what I noticed the biggest indicator of his style and, and his uh, the the imprint that he's put on the club was the quarterfinal match against Melbourne City away when we went two 0 up. We in the first half we took we took a real 
stranglehold on that game. Yep. And he said, right, we've got the players to hold this lead. He put two banks of four, and we held them out for the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, who was it? It was, uh, I think, Riley McGree got one back for him in that game. Um, they, they got one goal back, and then you thought, oh, here we go. We're, we're going to butcher it again. And in the end, after losing that goal, we looked more assured um, than at any point. It was, it was really good to see. Yeah, again, like I said, mate, one, one goal is enough to win a game of football. You have a look at um, Wanderers in the first couple of seasons under Popovich. Um, we played on the break largely, and um, you know, we hit teams in transition, and uh, if we got one goal up, that was enough. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it wasn't the most attractive football, um, but I love to watch it. <laughs> I love to watch it because we won. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. We, well, winning games is always a good feeling. But um, I, I, the only thing that worries me slightly, I, I mean, I like I like what Babel's doing, obviously, but the only thing that worries me is at times is if we try to go just one or two, and it is enough to win, but potentially that our our midfield or our back four is not good enough to hold out certain teams, you know, to the extent... I mean, I mean, you look at the quality of some of the other sides up front. I mean, Vic, Victory's obviously got Honda and Euler Toilevin. Toilevin. Yeah, Toilevin, however you say. And then, you know, like Taggart at Raw and LaFondra at Sydney. You know, like some of the quality up front for some of the other sides. I'm not saying that our defence isn't good enough. I think, I think we've got the stocks to do it, but it's just whether they can do it on a consistent basis. Yeah, and against that quality, I think Adelaide's going to be a real, you know, bellwether that one as well, especially if um, Craig Goodwin keeps his um, scoring boots on. He's been amazing the last week. Great to see him um, knock the Smurfs off in the um, FFA Cup. And then, you know, well, obviously Central Coast Mariners aren't like, you know, the biggest of teams. But, um, yeah, you put them away with a couple of goals as well. Yeah, he's um, he's definitely um, putting his hand up for a soccerer's call-up, and especially because of um, Azani's uh, injury, injury at Celtic, which uh, horrific, I've got to say. I mean, he gets his debut, and from what I've heard, he's, he was impressive in the time he was on the pitch, um, and the fans were excited to see him out there, and then he pulls up injured. Hopefully, it's not nothing too serious. He comes back and recovers well. But Goodwin, yeah, uh, he, he's definitely got to be in that Asian Cup squad, doesn't he? Oh, definitely. Well, this is the one thing with Azani. I watched that game. Um, he came on. He was very unlucky not to have an assist. He played a ball straight across the entire, um, across the goal, and took it to the byline, crossed it through it, beat everyone. Um, and uh, after that, he was nipping around players, this, that, the other, and it just went on him. And uh, you can't blame the pitch. It was an absolute um, bowling green. It was, you know, a billiards table of a deck. And, um, yeah, it just went on him. And then ACL as well, at, at that age, you know yourself, sometimes players don't come back from a knee. Um, that'd be a tragedy because, you know, he's, like, obviously getting the contract with Manchester City and stuff like that, it's a massive club. Um, being at Celtic, he's got the opportunity to develop under um, Brendan Rodgers. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen now if um, City will take him back for um, convalescence and get him back going. He's on a two-year um uh, loan deal at Celtic, but like you say, Goodwin's got to really come into that, um, into those calculations, um, especially when you think as well that the Asian Cup is so actually it's so close. We're into November, mate. I don't know what happened to the year, but it's um we've got you know, we've got eight weeks. This is one thing which is absolutely ridiculous. We're talking about we've watched you know three rounds of football 
um, and it's November. Like, I mean, honestly, the the A League season, it's it, it's it's a nightmare. What? Why, why the hell isn't it starting in August? I don't care. Everyone will tell you, oh, the AFL's on or the the bloody NRLs. I, I don't watch those sports. You know, I mean, put football on in August like the rest of the world gets it. It's just unconscionable the amount of um time we wait uh, until we actually get to see our boys have a kick. Yeah, and I, I mean, when it gets to those summer months, uh, you know, like a, a five o'clock kickoff for Central Coast, and it's thirty-six degrees, and they have to have twenty-minute drink breaks. You know, you may, may, it makes you wonder. You know, like if the season started earlier, maybe they'd be more prepared for it. I mean, playing it in summer, it's it's a winter sport, but what what can you do? You know, because of the other codes. You know, like, it, it's it's very tough. You know, all the all the issues that we have. Yeah. I tell you, it's going to be interesting when the um, like the the new regime, if you like, which are coming in to replace um, Lowy and friends. It's going to be very, very interesting to see um, if they take on board like um, a lot of grassroots concerns um, to do with um, well scheduling of football and, and the like. There's there's so many rumours and innuendo popping around. I've heard everything from Fox want to walk out on the deal through to you know. Um, now they're talking, they've scotched uh, the idea of, uh, of expanding the A-League, um, of the second divisions, this, that, the other. It's all up in the air. It's, it's a juggling act. It's going to be very, very interesting to see um, how football emerges from it in the near future. The, the expansion delay, for me, is the, the biggest mistake they will make because we're, we're sitting here now, we're saying, like, you know, we're praising a team and, and how good it is and everything, but... But the, the fact is that the league is stale and it needs a, an injection of fresh fresh blood. I agree. It's sim- similar to a way in which when we came along and we took the league by storm and, you know, attendances were up and, and the rating, TV ratings were up. If you do that in the right way, because if you look at the candidates left, for me, there's – you can't include Southern Expansion because oh. they're, just a, they're just a joke. That's oh, a swear word, man. It's. I mean, they have no home stadium. All they're trying to do is it moves Wollongongs. They're, they're trying to move all of um of, of the Illawarra's juniors and you know put a team in between St George and uh, and Cronulla. It's just this rugby league thinking that you're getting out of um out of Gallup. You know, I mean, oh look, we've got St George Illawarra. How about we do that and we throw Cronulla into it too? Stupidness. Well, that, that's the thing. Why Why did they decide, oh, yeah, we're going to pick Southern Expansion uh, over, over Wollongong Wolves? Wollongong Wolves, the, the reason, how on earth when they look for a non-ethnic A-League and this, that, the other, when you've got Wollongong Wolves, it's a community club, um, they've got no ethnic affiliations, um, um, far from it, they've actually, every ethnicity in the Illawarra comes along and um, sits in the same stands together, so it throws all of those old... Um, negative stereotypes out. They were former champions. They would Every game they'd be having against the glory would be an absolute blockbuster. You know, from them grand finals they had um, back in Subiaco and the like. Uh, as it is, it's such a wasted opportunity. And they were one of the first ones to get punted um, when they started whittling it down. You're like, you've got clubs that aren't even clubs. They're, they're, they're consortiums that exist on bloody, you know, on spreadsheets and stuff, and here you've got Wollongong Wolves ready to go. Now we'll kick them out. Absolutely criminal. 
Well, just 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 quickly, just to get your thoughts on it. I know we're getting a bit off topic, wanderer stuff, but expansion is a hot topic in football. So, for you, of the six left, if it was still to go ahead next season, which obviously we hope, if you had to pick two that stand out for you, who would you pick? Well, look, my hope at the start of it all was for um, Canberra and Wollongong. Maybe I'm a little bit biased being a New South Welshman, but all my mates down in Melbourne. Um, they're all saying, look, you know, I mean, Victoria needs another team. I keep telling them, like, man, uh, Melbourne City don't have any fans, so they don't even bother selling the top deck. Um, but apparently, like, um, the the Western Melbourne mob are uh, thinking about building an entire footballing precinct. Now, again, I've heard, you know, hot air before in football, but if that was to be true, um, that'd be a good one. When it comes to, uh, is Canberra still in the um, in the equation? They, they are, and, and for me, I have to agree, I tend to agree with you. I think Canberra's got to be in there. Yeah. Like, for mine, they've got a women's team and they don't have a men's team. It's a bit strange. And, they've, well, they've also got a youth league team. They've got a stadium. They're, they're our, our nation's capital. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few few countries that has a, a, a national football, um, you know, competition that doesn't have a team in its, in its you know, in the nation's capital, you know. So, like, it doesn't. I mean, the, but but that's. The, but then everyone, whenever someone mentions Canberra, they bring up the whenever they've had games there, the crowds have been low. The last game they had there was between Wellington and the Mariners, second last and last, as if they're going to get more than seven thousand people to that game. Yeah, that's it. And when you think of it, even if they'd held that game in the Central Coast, it wouldn't have got much more anyway. If that. So, um, and as well as that, you've got to think about the, it's the community down there. The one thing is for mine is that Western New South Wales, it's criminal that, you know, that there's not teams out there. Um, you have a look at how good the sportsmen are from um, Western New South Wales, in particular in the rugby league, in the rugby union, in the cricket. When players come from out there, they've just got like this natural competitiveness of them. They're, they're always superstars and none of them come into football. Yeah, because there's no footballing infrastructure there. With Capital Football, they've got it. Like, well, they've got a team in Cooma, and you know they've got a couple of teams around there. That's going to be if you're an aspiring footballer in Western New South Wales, it's essentially a team that you can go and uh, be spotted by and, and and rise through. As it is at the moment, where football itself is seeding the entire West. You go over the mountains, there's nothing. Well, I mean. Well, one of our most talented and, and you know, potentially, one, hopefully one day, our greatest Socceroos coming from that region is, is Tom Rogic. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. to not tap into that market is, is criminal. Yeah. And this is the one thing, again, make my point on this a bit, like, you know, Rogic could play cricket, Rogic could play AFL, Rogic could play rugby league. He's got the build, he's a big Serbian boy, he could smash anyone if he put on a bit of weight, um, weight in his shoulders. Um, he's got the dexterity to play cricket. Um, as it is, football is his cultural sport, and football is the sport he played as a kid, and look what he's done with it. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people from different backgrounds, there's plenty of skips as well. Me and you are both skips, man. We both love our football. Football isn't just a, an ethnic game, but there's heaps of people who are predicated to loving the game of football as first, uh, or firstly, and there's, there's no opportunities. It's a matter of putting opportunities out there. Again, it's not just Canberra. It's all of Western New South Wales gets the opportunity with that team. Um, but we'll move on. We'll get it back to Wanderers anyway, champ. Um, 
we were talking about there's a couple of um, games that we've got coming up, and uh, well, basically it's going to show us where we're at. Um, we obviously we had a good result against um, our old friend Popper in the West. Um, we won't go too much into the derby. The, the VAR ripped us off there, um, but even that showed that we were still in the match, and we've seen us do a lot worse against the Smurfs. Um, we played magnificent over there against. Um, Wellington, and coming up, I believe we've got Brisbane. Yeah, the um, the extra home game that we take away from home, which is a joke, but anyway, um, they've taken it to, to Mudgee this year. So, I mean, it should be interesting. I mean, it, the heat in New South Wales at the moment should really play a part in this game, I think. Um, Brisbane, I haven't really gotten off to the, to the best of starts. I mean, losing to Perth. Uh, drawing with uh, the Mariners and losing to someone else, I think Wellington was it. Um, but they, they haven't they haven't won a game yet, so they're not they're not flying or anything. So they're still finding their feet. And especially, I mean, us coming off that that performance on the weekend, this is a great opportunity to get you know go two in a row. Yeah. Well, one thing you know for sure, whenever um, Wanderers play a raw, there's always goals. Like you can bet your bottom dollar, it's not going to be a nil or draw. Um, so, you know, um, obviously there's not a lot of history in Mudgee with, between the teams, but, you know, between the clubs, um, you, I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining game. Uh, Brisbane are going to be desperate for points, and I think uh, Babel, he's going to smell blood. Um, again, like you were saying, when we were up against Melbourne City, he could see his advantage, and he took it. He knew what he had to do, and um, he turned the screws. Now we see him Brisbane... Um, They've, they've had a shocker at the start of the year. We've had a we've had a pass mark without um, getting too carried away. You know full well if we get um, three points here, seven points from four games, you know yeah, that, that's a damn good start. And uh, I don't know I'm confident that we can beat Brisbane. I really am. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident too. I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, I think Babel's going to see the the opportunity, uh, you know, of, of Brisbane's misfortunes and our and our fortunes, and and hopefully just jump on it. I, I know it's mudging to neutral ground, but hopefully we get a decent crowd out there. Um, do you think he'll he'll stay with the the lineup like you keep the winning lineup for a set two weeks straight, or do you think he'll put some changes in? Oh, absolutely. Look, put it this way, and again, I don't want to throw things at poor Joshua. Um, but like as, as long as he's on the bench, you know, I mean, I'm going to be very confident. Um, I, I think that um, Doherty was um, he, he looked damn good. Um, Kamau looked good. Um, um, I, I've got a lot of love for Urente and for Elridge. So um, um, I thought with Risden in the team as well, we we, we looked strong. Um, he was very unlucky not to get a goal. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like the way the club is. Um, the one that sort of gets me, I, I don't know if he's absolutely fantastic or he's absolutely mince, is Rolly Bonavazia. It's like he, he goes in waves. Um, but um, I think that, again, uh, and Riera as well. Riera, it's like, you know, one minute he'll, he'll score a pearler and then the next minute he'll miss a sitter. So I, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency from both of them, but I just can't see anyone replacing him in the squad or in the team. Yeah, I, 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 tend, I tend to agree with you. I think, um, for me, I, I don't think Bonavazio should be playing on the wing. Um, he's never, in his A-League career, because obviously he had a couple of seasons at Wellington, and then he had last season with us, he's never, ever been a winger. Um, he's always been either a number 10 or a holding midfielder. And now he's playing out of position. And 
I think he has he has certain qualities that um, allow him to be a winger, but I don't think he's our best option. Um, the thing that I find interesting um, is that Babel, as far as I've heard, he, he rates uh, Mark Bridge quite highly because of his experience, um, his positional awareness. Um, you know, like he'd obviously be a, a positive in the team. Um, Babel will probably pick him when he comes back, obviously once he's fit. So when Bridge comes back, do do you think that Bonavazzi will just get dropped straight to the bench or move back to midfield or potentially Bridge playing one wing and him playing the other? I think one thing, look, put it this way. With Bonavazzi, um, for mine, he's an axe. He, he's a bloke who likes to make hard tackles. Um, he's big, he's strong. You can't have him out in the wing because people are always going to zip past you here, there, the other, and you're used to just putting people like that down on the ground. He gives away fouls that, you know, if he was in the middle of the field, um, he knows where everyone's around and when he's on the wing, he's um, hacking people. Um, I don't know. If, if they're going to, like you say, you're going to pay him in the 8 or the 10, I can't I can't understand why they've got him that wide. Um, with Bridge, Bridge is lovely. Like, you know, he, he's, he's always, he's a proper poacher as well. You know, if he sees the ball, he shoots early a lot. He, he One thing with Bridge, he'll either pull up the stunner or he'll kick it into Roe okay. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, how many times you seen Bridge take a shot and you could go, mate, they wouldn't hit two sets of goals. Or well, then the next minute he'll get it, take it first time and boom, pick it out. Um, but, yeah, Bridge, he's been there for the odds. Like, well, he's come back, the prodigal son. Oh, how, how long is he out for anyway, do you know? I think he's still got at least three more weeks. And even then, when he comes back, he'll just be a bench part player until he gets his fitness back. So yeah, we, we I won't. think I, I think for now, Babel's probably going to stick with Bonavazzi on one wing, Rear obviously up front. And then it's interesting, the right wing position at the moment, because obviously we are saying Bruce, excellent on the weekend. And I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I rate him highly. I also think that Fitzgerald hasn't really been given much of a chance. I think he's excellent as well. He's a great option um, as a winger. And then, obviously, you've got the uh, the maligned Satirio as well. So our, our options out wide are actually very deep. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with Fitzgerald as well. He had a couple of games in the preseason and stuff. I think our preseason, though... Um, like, you know, with Nizic being in um, goal the whole time and, like, he didn't really cover himself in glory and we chopped and changed and, like, we got smashed by the Jets up there 3-0 and, and then we came back and, you know, and that was on the back of us getting that um, result down there in Melbourne against City as well. So it was a heartbeat of a, of a pre-season. But, again, um, with uh, Marcus, he had to see what, what, what players he had available to him. Um but, yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of chopping and changing uh, as we go, but there's no point really changing a winning formula. Um, I think the gaffer's going to go with the players that, that did the job and uh, hopefully they'll do another one on Brisbane. Um, looking ahead, we've then finally got a, a home game um, against Newcastle. Now, Newcastle, they'll be smarting um, after um, losing the Melbourne victory again. Um, but again, of course, Melbourne Victory, a very good team. Um, that's going to be a huge test for us um, in round five. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it's interesting to know, you know, like, this is our first home game, and we're, I mean, we're four, it's round five when we finally get our first home game. Our first home <laughs> game, put it this way, Champion, our first home game of the year is 
the 23rd of friggin' November. You know what I mean? It's like, can you name another team, uh, another league? It's like, oh, when's your first home game for the uh, 23rd of November? (laughs) (laughs) It's just an absolute (laughs) mission. Um, But uh, it's interesting with Newcastle because they, in the off-season, they didn't really recruit a lot of players. Like, they obviously bring in uh, Jair from... uh, I believe he was playing in Korea. He's a bit of a Champions League Asian kind of player, Brazilian striker. Um, but for me, I mean, like his record in recent seasons hasn't been great. So that's a bit of a risk signing. They obviously are without O'Donovan for another couple of weeks. So he won't be available for our game, which is good. Um, and then they really only signed, I think, one player from Wellington. So they've had the squad kind of relatively similar um, which, I mean, in their results, they, they haven't really performed yet. Well, last year they relied a hell of a lot on Naboot. So, you know, I mean, I, I still, for the life of me, I can't understand why you, you're in you're in the run-in. You know, um, you're, you're in with a chance at a couple of trophies and you sell your star player for half a million dollars. Like, surely you say, OK, fine, you can have him on a pre-contract or something like that, or you can give us... You can give us the half million. You can have him after the end of the season. Um, especially going to Japan, when you think that Japan doesn't play like with the European um, in the European uh, season, it doesn't play from August onwards. So he only would have missed the first few games there, and you know um, it's a shame. Um, I would have loved to have seen Newcastle win it last year. Obviously, we, we were nowhere close. We weren't within Kui, so I was hoping they were going to go the whole way, and then boom, they sold Naboo. After that, it doesn't get easier for us. We're going to have the victory, and I'd say by then they'll have worked out their teething problems that they're going through. And uh, we were talking just a little bit before um, uh, before we went on air that um, basically it's one thing to beat Wellington, but we're going to come up against some very, very good teams um, in, in the future, like Adelaide's um, on fire at the moment. We're going to have the victory um, in on the 1st of December. And then... Um, well, we've got one against uh, the Central Coast. That's going to be on the 7th. But on the 15th, we've got the Smurfs um, at ANZ. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but I am so sick to death of us losing to them bastard scum from East Eastern Sydney. It's like it's about time, you know what I mean, that the boys just got to sit down and say, no, nah, we're not losing, not at our home. No more of this, you know what I mean? I think if we're 1 in 15 or something like that, it's... It's absolutely pitiful, you know, and um, unfortunately in, in a fishbowl of a city, like you were saying, there's no fresh blood in um, in the A-League. It's the same old rivalries, and we're getting pumped in this one. There's no there's no um, point in running away from it, and it's got to end. Well, uh, I mean, the record against them is atrocious, but it, it, to compile that as well, our recent record against victory has been, been pretty trash as well, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a big, it's a big test for the players because obviously there's a lot of new players, but also for Babel, for him to understand that look, the, the fans come to these games, you know, victory away, the derbies, and they give it 110 percent for the 90 minutes. That the, the players need to do the exact same back to reward the fans with a victory. Um, but the big, obviously, like we've been saying, the big test is. Okay, so we've beaten Wellington three 0 now, right? We need to go. We need to go, and I think smack up Brisbane. We need to continue the form. I think we can do it. And then re- the test comes with Newcastle. So obviously, it's a bit of a gauge 
first home game, but they could have picked up their form by then. And then another test victory, another test Sydney. So it's a bit, it's to see if we can get a bit of momentum and then build from there. I think if, if we can beat Brisbane and Newcastle and then maybe get a point against victory, then Sydney will be for the taking in that derby. Yeah, um, that, that, that's right. Um, yeah, we need to go in with some confidence. The boys have got to go um, go out there and, like you know, like you say, they've got to put in a shift. Um, but um, at, at the end of the day, the long-suffering Wanderers fans on this one, where we not just have we uh, fallen to pieces in recent years, but we watched the entire Arnold era over there at, at um, Eastern Sydney and, like, let's not lie about it, we would jump up and down if we'd had the last couple of years that the Smurfs had. You know, I, I remember laughing at him for the whole Del Piero fantasy. And as soon as he left, they, they started playing brilliant. You know what I mean? So, um, like, he killed a... What, they lost one game in a season, that game to us. It was the last time we beat them. And, uh, you know what I mean? That picked up about three or four trophies or something like that in the last couple of years. Um, you know, enough's enough. It's just sickening. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the year that... I re- like I, I look back on now in hindsight, the year that frustrates me the most in terms of derby losses was the year when we actually made the grand final. I mean, a lot of people forget it was such a great year, you know, Castellan on fire and, and we're playing great football and we've made it to the grand final in Adelaide, but that was the same year that we, we lost all the derbies against them, you know, like to finish second, but to, they finished seventh, but they beat us every time we played them. And it's yeah. like, are you serious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a nightmare, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I can still see Santa kicking that ball up in the air. You know what I mean? And, and like, you're going out for the corner and thinking, ah, oh, this is, this is gonna, something's going to go wrong with this, and then, boom, they score. Bloody yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let, let, let's get away from that. Um, Andrew, uh, anything else to add, mate? Or we'll call it a day. Um, maybe we'll just, uh, do you want to touch on the VAR? You just want to try and avoid it? Oh, yeah, it? <laughs> let's get our bar on. Like, for starters, two things. Um, during the FFA Cup final, when, um, Craig Goodwin scored an absolute belter from range, right on the edge of the 18-yard box, two Sydney players threw their hands up and looked straight at the, um, linesman, like, what do you got for us, mate? Like, at the end of the day, I think with the VAR, it's a, it's a shambles. Um, it's coming to the aid of, um, of the establishment clubs um, and uh, as well as this. Like for myself, when I was young, I loved me rugby league. I can't watch it anymore. You know, a 40-minute half takes, you know, 70 minutes these days. They, they, those idiots in the bunker, they can't get anything right. It, it drives me nuts. And basically it's the exact same things happening now with football. You've got people there, I promise you, mate, they're getting paid two, three grand for a 90-minute shift to sit down there and make wrong decisions um, that, in, that nine out of ten football fans understand it um, straight away. Um, I hate the VAR. I don't think it's got any place in football. I think it's just um, it, it's not there to rub out wrong um, decisions. It's there to add another layer of corruption, and uh, um, I think it's bad for the game all around. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, mate. I think I think when it first when it first was introduced, I was kind of like, okay, look, if it was going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, let's let's give it a try and see how it works. And I just I remember constantly last season going, what is the bloody point of putting it in? I, I remember games uh, against Perth when Bacchus 
Keanu Bacchus wasn't the last man. Gets given a red card via VAR. Yeah. Ended up losing that game because we were down to 10 men. I, I remember when they picked up that he kicked uh, Johan Absalonson in the last round and we lost and we didn't get into the semi-finals. Uh, yeah. and, and now we've gotten into this derby situation and look, I've seen the footage, I don't know if you have, but the semi-final for Sydney in the year they won it uh, against Perth, uh, Bobo obstructs the run of the centre-back for Perth while um, Jordi Bauer scores their first goal, right? Exactly the same situation as Soterio and Zulo in the Derby VAR call, right? But because of the VAR intervention, they go, no, he's offside, he's obstructed the play. I'm sorry, but... He didn't. Zulo was never going to get him. Yeah. No. No. No defender in world football through that pass and that kind of reach is going to stop that. It's it's inevitable. And, and in real time, you watch that. It's a goal, right? Yeah. Oh no, we're going to check the VAR. It, it it's a joke. Yeah. Oh look, mate. They, what they're doing is they're looking for technicalities. Now, at the end of the day. Um, when you play the game, you know yourself when it's a goal, when it's not a goal. You also know when it's a foul, when it's not a foul. And nine out of ten times, when it's offside or onside, it's, it's damn simple. Um, if you, you want to, what pisses me off is exactly what you said. There's a lack of consistency with it, and um, you know which which leads to disillusionment. I'm already disillusioned with the whole process. Um, I'd say get rid of it. And, you know, if Australia has to have it, then do it when they've got it in the Premier League. Do it when they've got it in Germany. Why is Australia a guinea pig with this um, technology? Why on earth aren't we waiting until um, till leagues, which are literally worth billions of dollars a year, like the English Premier League, when they've got it worked out, then go and plagiarise that system. Then you've got people who are from the best of the best and they can come down and teach you how to use it properly. But instead, we've got semi-amateurs who are using it and they can't use it properly. Um, for me, it's like the lunatics are running the asylum. It's, it's stupid. Um, another thing is as well with um, relation to the VAR. Have a look at, like for instance, the grand final uh, last year. You've got a yellow line which goes across the thing, okay? You know, there's the rule, like any part of your body which, you know, is going to score a goal if it's in front of the line. There it is. It's in front of the line. Oh, no, we'll call it a goal anyway. You know what I mean? It's it's there, clear as day. You know, mum, dad, you know, your grandparents, the kids, like, you know, the baby with a bottle in her mouth can understand that's not a goal or that is a goal. And the bloke who's got his finger on the button can't. Yeah, I mean, like for mine, they're inept and they they don't deserve the technology and we don't deserve to have to waste time, let the um, speed go out of the game and to have, you know, goals chopped off like that. It's just ridiculous. Well, well, that's 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 the thing that really I don't understand is, is they put up, they say the VAR usage is for clear and obvious error, okay? What is a clear and obvious error then? Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it's a pretty they're, ambiguous they're br- sort of thing. Like, because they're bringing it in for these, you know, like slight fouls or 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 massive handballs. Like the the difference between when they use it is is too great. And the the thing again, back to the derby and and how it ruined it for us. So they call this goal offside, and I don't know if you if you remember, but Alexander went down just inside outside the box. And it was a foul on replay, 
Did they check the VAR? No, they didn't. No. They said, no, 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 it's play on. So the ref has used it for a goal, but then has not used it for a foul, which is con- more contestable than a way. So it begs to differ. Like, when do they use it? Like, if you watch the Wellington game, Jared Gillett, who I thought had an excellent game, by the way, I thought he really, he said, you know, this is my game and I'm going to referee it how I want. Yeah. He did not use the VAR. And that game was a lot better flowing. Yeah. A lot, he was a lot more assertive with his calls. He was confident. Whereas the week before with Chris Beath, oh, I'm, I'm going to use it for this one, but I'm not going to use it for this one. Like, yeah, yeah come on. Yeah, well, for instance, when Durante, I think it was, he got pinged for the handball, he just put his arm up in the air and showed, mate, it hit you flat in the elbow. You know, I, I was five metres from an unimpeded view. I saw it as clear as day. You can you can squeal at me for this, that, the other, or ball to hand or whatever. The facts of the matter are that, you know, your arm got in the way of the ball while it was on the way to the goal. Penalty. You know what I mean? Just like... Stand over there, mate. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, like you said, it was a very assertive um, performance by him, um, you know, with the whistle, and it was a much better game of football. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to praise the referees, but I do think that um, Jared had a good game on the weekend. And I also, I don't know his name, but whenever I've watched him referee, he's been great. He refereed the uh, Central Coast and Adelaide game yesterday. And um, he's he's younger. He doesn't have as much experience as the other refs, but he's really, really shown his worth as a referee. I don't know his name. If if, if you know, you might know. But, um, no, I don't know, mate. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's been excellent. He he re- he doesn't use the VAR. He he really gives players chances with fouls if they if they're really bad fouls. He just cards them straight away. And he's only got about ten A League games experience. So yeah, well, hopefully we see more of him. Hopefully. Um... Hopefully the Smurfs haven't got their claws into him when uh, when we play them anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that bad now that Arnold's got Corrick has got a bit more manners than Arnie, but like you know, Arnie coming in to throw his weight around for the entire um, Derby weekend. You've got to give it to him; he's a bit of a master at it. I mean, uh, he, he played the, the mind games like Steve Wall, basically an old cricketer for those people who aren't forty like me might remember him. <laughs> yeah. yeah but um yeah honestly um like you, we, we've had too many problems with referees and we're starting to get to the stage where it feels like you know everyone's against us we've got enough bloody problems we've won one in 15 we don't need the referees chalking our goals off as well though but um, yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah but put it this way the proof's going to be in the pudding with the bar um, we can soak about um, spilt milk all we want, but the facts are it's going to be um, it's going to be up to the uh, to the referees, the arbitrators, to see if they can use the um, technology well. And if they can, then fair play to them. You know, I'll eat humble pie. But until then, I say um, wait until the big boys in Europe and in South America, in particular, wait until they perfect it. And once they've got it perfected, then send their referees out and get them to do workshops with ours and teach them how to use it flawlessly. You know, there's no point getting like a ten pot league, which essentially the A League is, um, um, with uh, relation to the rest of them over in Europe and that, and getting us to do it first. You know, that we we don't have the resources. We've got the cameras, we've got the referees, we've got all, all of it. We just don't have common sense, and uh, yeah, that's very much to the detriment of the game. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm I'm glad that I have hope. 
that it'll improve in the future. But but you make you make the right point, mate. Um, maybe just before we leave, we'll, we'll give until obviously we might have another another podcast come up in a few weeks. But it maybe at the end of each one, we'll give a little prediction yep. for our boys. So so where where do you think at this stage of the season, where do you think we're going to finish? Um, I think honestly, fifth or sixth. I think. Um, I hate to say it, but I think that Sydney FC, Melbourne and Adelaide, if I was a betting man, I'd be putting them in the top four. It'll be those three and someone else. Um, you know, I mean, it's almost you go with the um, the laws of uh, of um, deduction. Also, I'd say Melbourne City. So if I was looking at the top four, I'd probably think Melbourne City, Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United. Um, I think that they've all got better squads than we do, um, not being rude. Um, at the same time, I'd like to think that we're going to finish above the Phoenix, above um, Central Coast. Um, this game against Brisbane, it's really going to show us where we are. Um, so hopefully we can get uh, we can get that. And of course, Newcastle. Um, Newcastle haven't had the start they wanted, which then puts you in that middle table. We can jump above those. Um, you know... Um, I think we'll come about fifth, sixth. What about you? I think the highest we will finish is fourth, and that's at a stretch because I think I think you're right. I think Sydney will will do the business again, um, and I, I think Victory's got the squad to do it. But the thing with those two, which I think a lot of people aren't going to realise, is when their Champions League campaign starts and they're going to have to travel, you know, over to South South Asia and you know, these huge days and, and your midweek games and squad rotation and fatigue and all this, it, it is going to play a part, which will give the other teams the chance. I think you forgot to mention Perth. I mean, oh, Perth. <laughs> I knew there was one in Perth. there. Yeah, Perth, a, a dangerous side. Very good recruitment from Popper over there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think if things click and we get the luck of the draw fourth, but I think finishing sixth wouldn't be a bad result because, like we've said, obviously, throughout the podcast, we said if this isn't Babel's squad. He hasn't had time to recruit. Um, he's still implementing his style. We still don't have a home ground. All the other squads, a bar of a team, you know, your Wellingtons, your Mariners, have probably deeper and better squads than ours. So if we were to finish sixth, I wouldn't be upset. I'd be a little bit disappointed, but... You've got to you've got to start from somewhere and then build. Yeah. Put it this way: we came seventh last year and we want improvement. So sixth is the minimum, and anything after than that, that's a wet dream for me. I jump up and down if we come fifth or fourth. Um, but um, yeah, I think an absolute minimum has got to be improvement on last year. And uh, like you said, like we went very very close towards the end of last year, and um, yeah, that was a ridiculous call. I think it was um, baby backers, wasn't it? Uh, kicking out or something like that, you know. And again, it was something that wasn't even seen on the field and didn't even lead to an injury or anything like that. They go upstairs and they go, "Oh, here we go. We can ping him for that." And um, he got sent. And yeah, we felt a bit. I think we led that game as well, didn't we? Yeah, we were we were one nil up, and and that's when when the when the call came down. And yeah. like we said, I mean, it, it just intervened and impacted the game, and, and then that was it. We were out. Yeah, what can you do? Well, um, we'll have a chat next week and hopefully we'll be celebrating three points. Uh, big thank you to everyone who's listened to us. Um, you can 
get us on Twitter at um, Red and Black TV. We'll be doing some TV, uh, some fan interviews and the like when we actually get some home games <laughs> in November. <laughs> <laughs> still wait, still waiting, guys. Still waiting, mate. Still waiting. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we'll be. Um, you can always get us on Facebook as well. We're at um, Red and Black Football. But um, my name's Gavin, and thank you very much, Andrew, for your time today, mate. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks, Gav, and uh, have a good have a good one, guys. All right, take it easy, boys. Uh, come on, you Wanderers.